attention, son. This is for your own good. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. you got to get it done. Hey, folks, big news. Albert gets his 700. The Cardinals clinched the division. The U of I did something it hasn't done in 20 years. And we have a new addition to the Gateway City Sports family. I told you it was coming. Hey, so throw down a seat cushion, pop a top, and we're going to talk some sports. Holy cow! Crowd the line of scrimmage. Romo on the shotgun. Here's the snap. Romo looking up to the right side. Intercepted! Intercepted! The goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! Gentlemen, start your engine! Welcome back, sports fans. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers, and I am your host, Don Glenn. Well, Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports. And at Gateway City Sports, you'll find articles, blogs, and sports content that involves the sports in and around the St. Louis Bi-State area. You can also find other podcasts, like, for Cub and Cardinal fans, you like that little back and forth you guys always do? Well, then you need to listen to the Team of Rivals with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. You also have the Derek King Sports Show with Derek King and dun, da, 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 announcing the newest addition to the lineup. We welcome That's a Winner podcast to our group with host Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown. 
I've had a chance to listen to those, the couple of their shows, and man, they do a great job. So we're happy to have them on board. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll be able to get a couple of them on here and we can do some talking. Uh, so check out GatewayCitySport.com. All righty, so let's get into this. I'm going to get into the Albert and the Cardinals in a little bit, but I want to touch a little bit on the NFL, uh, some other baseball, then the Illini, then we'll get to Albert and the Cardinals. Well, all eyes on the NFL right now are focused on the Miami Dolphins, and it, they should be right now. I mean, uh, the situation revolving around quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. I, I'm gonna, like I said, I butchered the name the last time, so I'm just gonna call him Tua. Uh, head coach Mike McDaniel announced that Tua will not be available when the Dolphins square off against the Jets in Week Five. Tua was, of course, injured in the uh, team's last game versus the Cincinnati Bengals on a vicious tackle by Bengals defensive tackle Josh Tupua. Uh, now, this was four days after he'd been shoved to the ground by linebacker Matt Milano uh, in the uh, Buffalo game. Um, and hit the back of his head, or appeared to hit the back of his head on the turf. Uh, and it was a little bit slow getting up, and then he kind of stumbled as he was walking off the field. You know, most thought at that time he had suffered a concussion. Uh, he was checked out by the team's physician on uh, and an unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, or a UFC, as has been uh, designated by the uh, Players Association. Uh, he was cleared by both, and he was deemed fit to play. Um, and he finished the game, and they won the game. Now, did they miss something? You know, Tua claimed the reason that he stumbled was due to a flare-up on an earlier back injury. Um, and video of the game does show that in the first quarter, on a quarterback sneak, um, he got up very slowly and was grabbing his back as he went off the field. So take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, I, it, it could be a back injury. I, I'm not a doctor. I never even played one on TV, so I got no clue. Um... But now, personally, though, if it were me, even if it were a case of just aggravating a back injury, I'm not sure I would have said, yeah, you're fit to play, the, go back in and play. I, I think I may have held him just because of the back injury, let alone the possibility that he might have had a concussion. Uh, now, the NFLPA has terminated that UFC uh, that examined to, according to multiple reports, the NFL and the Players Association have reached an agreement that will change uh, the concussion protocol and will immediately disqualify from the game a player who shows, as they are sta uh, labeling it, gross motor instability. Um, that has yet to really be completely defined, um, but it's also going to be regardless of reasons. So it can be if he's having a back problem, if it's, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, he's automatically out. So they've really got to get some definitions nailed down on that one, but they've got the idea formulated now. They just got to uh, uh, finalize it and make all the wording so that it's right. Um, now the Dolphins have not put Tua on the IL or IR, excuse me, uh, but they and they don't have a timetable for his return either. Uh, so there's also no conclusion yet with the NFL and the uh, Players Association joint investigation into the incident. You know, uh, a personal note here, um, concussions can be tricky. Uh, my daughter had a concussion during a softball game uh, when she was in high school. 
Um, the coaching staff followed all the protocols. They, you know, did the on the field testing. They, 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 you know, they were doing everything that they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and she cleared fine. She had no dizziness, no headaches, no sensitivity to light. And it was a daytime game. Um, but after the game was over and she got home four hours later, uh, we had to take her to the emergency room because she started emergency room because she started developing sensitivity to light, had massive headache. Uh, and then it was found out that she had had a low-grade uh, concussion. Uh, so not, signs may not have shown up right away, uh, but you would have thought uh, that within the four days between the Sunday game and the Thursday game that some signs would have shown up. So it's uh, still not real clear whether he had a concussion uh, in uh, week three or not. Um, so we'll have, uh, keep an eye on that, and uh, eventually they'll let us know what's going on. Uh, now, last Sunday, the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints played in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, the Vikings won 28-25. Kirk Cousins was 25-38 of 38 for 273 yards and a touchdown and one pick. Justin Jefferson had 10 receptions, 147 yards for the Vikings, also had a rushing touchdown. Adam Thielen caught eight passes for 72 yards. Uh, the the uh, big... Uh, Big man for the game was kicker Greg Joseph, who's a 5-for-5 in field goals, including a 46-yarder. Uh, for the Saints, Andy Dalton was 20-of-28 for 236 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Saints had rushing touchdowns from Latavius Murray and Tyson Hill. Uh, and unlike uh, uh, Cousins, who um, had most of his receptions by uh, two players, Andy Dalton kind of spread his around as he had at least uh, five players getting three catchers or more. Uh, Chris Ole was the only receiver getting a touchdown on four catches for 67 yards. Uh, the NFL does visit London again this week as the New York Giants are going to lock horns with the Green Bay Packers, and that actually ought to be a pretty good game, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, so a really good representation of American football uh, in ditto London town. Alrighty, uh, in baseball, on Tuesday, October 4th, Aaron Judge became the American League single-season home run champion as he hit number 62 in Texas in the second game of a doubleheader on a 1-1 count off Rangers opener Jesus Tinoco. He joins Barry Bonds, uh, who had 73, Mark McGuire, who had 70 and 65, Sammy Sosa had 64 and 61, uh, Roger Maris, who had 61, and Babe Ruth, who had 60, as the only players in the game to hit 60 or more home runs in a single season. Now, whether you want to recognize Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa, and if that if you don't want to, that is totally your business, and that's a discussion we can have for another day. Uh, but I do find it very interesting that only three American League players have done have hit 60 or more home runs. And all three were Yankees at the time it happened. Ruth hit 60 in 1927 as a Yankee. Maris hit 61 in 1961 as a Yankee. And now Judge hits in 2023 as a Yankee. It's also interesting um, that if you look at it, Judge beat Maris's record 61 years after he hit 61 home runs in 1961. <laughs> so 
So those of you people who are who uh, who uh, are the numerologists, uh, let me know what that means, okay? Just email the show or uh, talk the show and let me know what that means. Now, speaking of home run chases and Babe Ruth, Albert Pujols is the newest member of the 700 Club, belting home runs 699 and 700 in L.A. against the Dodgers. He had 699 off a of lefty Andrew Haney on a one and two count, I think. Yeah, one ball, two strike count uh, with a runner in, uh, on on in the third inning. And then he hit 700 off right-hander Phil Bickford in game in the fourth inning with two runners on. Now, since then, he has hit uh, home run 701, 702, and now 703. He just hit that a couple days ago. Um a funny story on this one here, my wife and I took my youngest daughter to the ball game Saturday on October 1st, um, and uh, after he hit 601, or 701, and she was she was hoping for 702. She wanted to watch him hit 702, and uh, when we got there, and he had, of course, he did have a double that drove in a couple runs, and he didn't get a home run that game. St. Louis won the game, um, and as we left... Uh, my daughter looked and she goes, if Albert gets 702 tomorrow, I will be mad. So when Albert did hit 702 the next day, I get this text. And it says, he got 702 from my daughter. And it was followed by another text that said, angered, LOL. <laughs> so now one thing he did when he hit 702, uh, he did uh, something else he accomplished that day on that same day was he tied Babe Ruth for second all-time on the RBI list with 2,214. Now, the next day, he hit the home run 703 and passed Babe Ruth. He's since added two more RBIs, and he now finishes his uh, career regular season RBI total at 2,218. Uh, Hank Aaron is the all-time leader at 2,297. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see Albert try to get, come back uh, to, to take that. I think he's going to be happy where he's at. He also joined another very exclusive club, I found out, um, uh, when he hit the 700. He is the only the second, I get this, only the second player in MLB history to have seven home run, 700 home runs and 3,000 hits. The other guy, some dude named Hank Aaron. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's some rare company indeed. Now, you know, it did kind of suck a little bit when he hit seven, 699 and 700 uh, in um, L.A., um, and especially because, well, you know, the game wasn't on Bally Sports, so Dan McLaughlin, which everybody in the world wanted Dan McLaughlin, well, not in the world, but in the St. Louis sports world, wanted Dan McLaughlin to make that call. They wanted Danny to Danny Mac to make the historic call, and uh, but Apple TV did the game, so Bally Sports couldn't do the game. Um, but they did put Danny Mac in the radio booth, and uh, he was uh, to do the fourth inning. And he, when it came time for Alberts at bat, he stepped aside and gave the call to John Rooney. Uh, the Cardinals radio voice and uh, that is this the total 
that's total selflessness right there. That is the mark of a true top pro um, and just a class act in in uh, in Dan McLaughlin. And, and I, I really think that that was just fantastic that he did that. And if you haven't heard John Rooney's call, I've got it here. So we're going to play it now. Pujols with the widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hits 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022. 8.23 p.m. Pacific Time. dugout congratulating Albert Pujols. The Dodgers are on the top steps clapping for their former teammate and friend who they honored before the game today. Everybody in the ballpark is standing. What a great moment. A Hollywood moment here in LA. And Albert has been writing Hollywood moments all summer long and you can add this one to the list. 700 home runs for the great Albert Pujols. A team meeting in front of the Cardinal dugout. Hugs all over the place for Albert Pujols as he celebrates 700 career home runs. Barry Bonds, 762. Hank Aaron, 755. Babe Ruth, 714. Albert Pujols, 700. Danny, thank you for allowing me to make the call. I was more nervous on 699 than I was for that one. You nailed both of them. But thank you. You and nailed them. Albert Pujols. And there are more memories to come, guys. You got it. And now it's Goldie following that. Good luck. There's a strike at the knees. What a moment. Great call, John. Oh, so well done. Great swing by Albert Pujols. He lofted two into the Southern California night. I mean, he them. That was just uh, that was just a great call. I, I I and of course the other two voices you heard were uh, Ricky Horton and uh, Dan McLaughlin, and uh, you know uh, again being the true professional he is, you know the when you know Rooney gave him the the line to get back in and he just jumped right back in as uh, just like nothing had ever happened and uh, I mean so. But uh, just it was a, a just a very very good. I, I love that call. Um, you know, and, and and we've you know we as Cardinal fans we've heard a lot of great great calls from some fantastic announcers. Um, uh, Harry Carey's uh, call on Stan Musial's three thousand base hit. Uh, Jack Buck um, with uh, Lou Brock's stolen base and McGuire's uh, home run and of course the Ozzy Smith go crazy folks go crazy um you know and and then one of my favorites and is was Mike Shannon's call 
of the two grand slams in one inning by Fernando Tatis. Uh, that'd be Fernando Tatis Sr. Junior wasn't born yet, or he was a kid then, one or the other. But anyway, but you know, we we have we've been we've been kind of spoiled in St. Louis with some really really fine announcers, and uh, you know, kudos to all of them. Um, and uh, I think uh, Rooney and and Horton do a very good job uh, in the radio booth. Um, Danny Mac, and I don't care who he's partnered with. I mean, whether it's Brad Thompson, whether it's uh, Jimmy Edmonds, um, he just is a, a is, is a class act, and uh, St. Louis is, is just very lucky to have him. Uh, I'll have all our our uh, play-by-play voices, if you will. So. Okay, on a little bit of a different note, uh, the Chicago White Sox announced that Tony LaRusso will not manage the team the rest of the year. LaRusso has been undergoing testing and treatment for a heart condition, and on Monday, LaRusso did announce he was in, uh, was retiring for the second time. Um, also, Don Mattingly is out as manager of the Miami Marlins, and the Marlins now join the Angels, Rangers, Blue Jays, Phillies, White Sox in looking for a new manager. And in a breaking story, as I was literally writing copy for this uh, for this pod uh, a day or so ago, uh, the Kansas City Royals parted ways with former Cardinals uh, player and skipper Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Eldred. Um... So a lot of coaching vacancies. Uh, I, I might suggest to a couple of these teams, Mike Schilt, you know, uh, just just a suggestion, guys. Uh, and I tell you what, something else I think too is with all these openings, uh, I think you're going to see uh, Skip Schumacher get a lot of attention as well. Uh, so just be prepared, Cardinal fans. We may lose a, a, a coach or two. Uh, well, the wild card round starts Friday, October 7th, and in the National League, it'll be the Phillies traveling to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals, and the winner gets the Atlanta Braves in the best of five on October 11th. The Padres travel to the Big Apple to take on the Mets, and the winner gets the Dodgers. Now, in the American League, Seattle plays in Toronto, and the winner taking on the Yankees, while Tampa Bay plays in Cleveland, and the winner gets the Astros. Uh, all wild card round games will be on ESPN or I think ESPN2 and ABC. Uh, they're still working a couple of that out, I think. And then uh, the divisional series will either be on Fox, FS1, or TBS. Uh, same for the League Championship Series. Now, the World Series will be only on Fox. So there is your check, you know, as they say, check your local listings for times in your area. Uh, <laughs> so now that everything is set, teams can stress out a less about the last game and more about what's coming up at the playoffs. You know, but one thing's not stressful. That's buying a car from Fifth Street Motors. At Fifth Street Motors, located 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, only about 10 miles from Six Flags, they will help you find a vehicle you need no matter what brand. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. So give Brandon or Dot a call today at 573-259-1306. Again, that's 573-259-1306. And tell them Gateway City Sports and Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. May not get you a discount, but at least, you know, 
they know where you heard it. Okay, time to talk a little NCAA football. Now, I want to focus a little bit on the Big Ten today. Um, I know I think we're going to do that a little bit tomorrow or next next time too, but uh, I, I just want to kind of focus on the Big Ten because uh, there's a lot of few things happening. Um, first of all, second Big Ten coach was let go. Uh, uh, of course, after uh, a big loss, uh, the University of Wisconsin fired Poach Paul, Coach Paul Christ one day after the Badgers lost to Illinois 34-10 to in Madison. And the Illini showed complete dominance, especially in the third quarter, outscoring the Badgers 17 to nothing and controlling the time of possession 12 minutes to three. Uh, Illinois held the Badgers to a total of two rushing yards for the game. Now this follows a 30-point drubbing they took at the, that Wisconsin took at the hands of Ohio State. They've lost back-to-back games by wide margins. Um, and then, of course, if you add in the non-conference loss, home game loss, that is, to Washington State, you know, um, it. I think the, the Badger uh, administration, Wisconsin administration, decided that uh, Paul's just not getting it done, so he is now on the unemployment line. Um, now, the bad loss made the Badgers 0-2 in the Big Ten, last place in the West Division. And if Wisconsin can rebound here, uh, they are only one game behind the rest of the Big Ten because everybody else in the West Division is 1-1. Um, uh, and now they have two games coming up on their schedule, which are very winnable and can put themselves right back in it as long as uh, maybe, you know, as long as some other teams beat up on each other. Um, they have Northwestern coming up. Uh, and Michigan State. Now Northwestern is one and four, one and one in the in the Big Ten West. Michigan State is two and three, zero oh and two in the Big Ten East. Uh, now neither team has put up much of a defensive fight so far. Northwestern's given up 124 points, and Michigan State 113. But by the same token, so is Wisconsin. They've given up 110. So it could be interesting. Now in the West Division, there are three teams that have given up 50 points or less so far this year. Illinois. 42, Minnesota, 44, and Iowa, 50. Now, in conference play, Minnesota's only given up 27 points. Illinois has given up 33, and Iowa, 37. The reason I mention this is because Illinois' next two games are against, you guessed it, Iowa and Minnesota. Um, so it could very well separate a few teams uh, in that little stretch there. Um Illinois plays host to Iowa while Minnesota has the week off. And then they come to, well, now, of course, now Minnesota just lost to Purdue as well. So they're going to come in after a week off from a loss to Purdue. And Illinois is going to have a game, a game against Iowa. Um, now both games are going to be in Champaign. So a uh, little bit of an edge for, for Illinois there. Uh, and if they can win those two games, um, that just puts them in the driver's seat uh, completely for the Big Ten East because they really don't have much. I mean, they got one tough game in the West Division Cup, which is Michigan. Uh, they've got Purdue, and uh, I believe we got Michigan State. So you know, the uh, if they can get by, if they can win both of those two games uh, against Iowa and Minnesota, which right now is their, their chief competition in the West, 
they could they could be very well be looking at their first uh, Big Ten West title. Uh, now in the East Division, it's shaping up to be a three-horse race with uh, number two Ohio State, number four Michigan, and number ten Penn State. All of them are five and zero, two and zero in the Big Ten, and all three have shown themselves to be very good defensively, as expected. Ohio State and Michigan are juggernauts on juggernauts on the offensive side, though. Uh, Penn State not as much, um, and two of the three have winnable games this next week as Ohio travels to Michigan State and Michigan travels to Indiana. Now, Penn State has the week off, and we're going to find out how good, uh, well, they're going to need that week off, actually, because after they have their week off, they face number four, Michigan, in Ann Arbor. Um, and the whole, and uh, then they have home games versus Minnesota and number two, Ohio State. So they've got a three-week stretch there that's not really, it's going to be rough for them. Now, if Penn State is up to the task, they could play spoiler role on either Ohio State or Michigan or both and make their run into the college football playoffs a little bit tougher than they thought. So this is going to be, you know, the next couple weeks are going to be pretty pretty interesting in the Big Ten. Um, one other thing I note here, with, with UCLA and USC coming in in 2024, I was kind of looking at the Big Ten just to see how they, because it's going to get a reshape. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. You're, they're going to have to reshape and redo the divisions. Um, you know, so if they go north-south, then you're looking at uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, northwestern Iowa, uh, probably Nebraska, or, uh, well, Iowa, excuse me, Minnesota, and then probably Nebraska and Penn State would be going north. Uh, which would leave uh, UCLA, USC, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Maryland to the south. Um, I mean, it's kind of a pretty fine line when you're talking um, Maryland, Ohio State, Purdue, you know, Nebraska. It's kind of a, you know, uh, interesting dividing line. We'll see how that works out if they do it that way. Now, if they go more of an east-west, um, then you've got... Um, you know, a, a completely different scenario of, of uh, again, splitting splitting some hairs and you know, keeping the divisions would kind of stay the way they are now. You would add USC, UCLA to the west, uh, and then you would take one team and probably would end up being Northwestern, would end up in the east. Um now, there's also the talk that the Big Ten could be taking shots at a couple more teams in the Pac-12, like Oregon, Washington, maybe Stanford. And there's been renewed calls um, by fan, base, fan bases all over the Big Ten of getting Notre Dame into the Big Ten. Uh, that could shake things up as well. So we'll have to see what transpires and how this affects the landscape. Of course, uh, I think UCLA and USC aren't coming into the Big Ten until 24. So we've got another year or two to see what else they add. Now, adding more teams to the conference and future expansion uh, is just the Big Ten protecting itself from the SEC. And yes, the SEC has brought in more teams. You know, they're, like I said, they're getting Texas and Oklahoma. Um, there's talk of them trying to woo some uh, Pac-10 teams so they can get a little bit of a West Coast uh, uh, feel. Uh, so getting another team or two 
for the Big Ten right now. That's just a really really good insurance, and uh, you know, just like you need insurance because we all know how important it is to stay protected. You know, that's why you need Allstate. Now, the Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home and boat and auto and motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you and your family and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Uh, So give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. Because that's how they roll, folks. And even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. Because you know something? They'll do that, too. They're awesome. Uh, We all have busy lives. So you can email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Okay, I'm going to finish up talking about the Cardinals here. Uh, now, as now I've already gone over the Pujols and what he's done and, that, and the playoffs and what's happening there, um, but a lot of the postseason discussion has been talking about the pitching, and in particular, Adam Wainwright. Um, if you'd have asked me two months ago, let's say, I would have said, no doubt in anybody's mind, Adam Wainwright is getting game one of whatever playoff series that that the Cardinals end up starting in. Because at that time, there was, you know, he was the, either going to be the number three or the number two seed. Um, and it would have been hands down. I mean, there would have been no, no doubt, no question about it. But lately, uh, in his last four or five starts, I think it is, um, He's just not not the pitcher he was. It's uh, been described by he and Ali Marmol, the uh, Cardinal manager, as a dead arm phase or something of that nature. Um, and Wainwright knows. He knows that he doesn't have it. I mean, the, the last game of the regular season that he pitched in uh, would have been uh, the October 2nd game at, at Bush. Um, you know, four and two-thirds innings, and they had to pull him. Um, now, it was kind of cool. They pulled him and, and Yachty and Albert all at the same time, and they all walked off the field together. But it was a little bit of a O oh moment uh, for fans and, and, and for Wainwright himself. And he knows, like I said. Um, he even said in the postgame, in, in the... In, in the uh, post-game interview, he said, uh, uh, if you read, uh, he said, right now, okay, here, here it is, I got the quote now, I had to to look for it, (laughs) Um, so right now, I'm not so sure, Um, and Wainwright isn't sure himself, as he said, uh, after his last outing, uh, which was, again, was October 2nd, he says, I went from probably, no doubt, pitching game one, to maybe not pitching at all. Now, in his last six games, he's gone just 28 and two-thirds innings, given up 44 hits and 23 earned runs. Um, you know, that's something regular season you can kind of get by with that on a game here and a game there, but you're not going to get to buy with that in, in the playoffs. That's just not going to work. 
Um, so I think, you know, Wainwright himself is not going to be upset if he's not game one starter. Uh, fans might be. Uh, you know, the, 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 the sentimental fans, I should say, might be. But the fans that, that um, are knowledgeable about the game are going to realize he you can't have him starting a game um, and turning it into a bullpen game because that's what it would end up being. Uh, if you have to pull him after three innings, you know, now you're going to use four, five, maybe six pitchers out of the bullpen um, and, you know, hopefully you win that game because you really don't have much left in the next two games as far as your bullpen goes. So, you know, I think what you're going to see, I mean, Jordan Miles will be on um, six days rest. Uh, they just pitched Quintana. I think they moved him up in the rotation a little bit. Uh, pitched him early this week so they could have him as on full rest for game two. Uh, and then you've also got Miles Michaelis standing by, ready to go. Um, they haven't announced it yet as what the, as what it will be, but we'll see what happens. Uh, um, you know, now... If you, you could, um, Wainwright would probably end up being in the bullpen. And, you know, you could, like I said, you could use him as an opener. Uh, you know, say have him go out there and pitch pitch the first inning or two as an opener just to have him on the field and then bring in, um, you know, somebody like Montgomery or um, – Palante, Woodford, who both have done fantastic in a long, long relief role. Hudson. Uh, so you've got some options there if you do want to do that. I don't know if Marmol will do it. I, I really don't. And, and, and if I was the manager, I'm not sure I would either. Um, because, you know, this isn't this isn't just a, a regular game. This is your first game in the playoffs. And, you know, that's the one. If you're going to win, if you have to win any game in the playoffs besides the last one, it's the first one. Because you set the tone when you win that first one. And uh, so I think that's what's going to have to happen. Now, you also need to look at the bullpen makeup. Uh, you know, because like I said, with the rotations, I think the rotation is going to be Montgomery, Mile, uh, Michaelis, and Quintana. Um, and just whatever rot for format there or rotation they give them. Um, but the bullpen you got to take a look at, too. I mean, you've got Helsley and Gallegos for the back end. Jordan Hicks pitched pretty well the other day, uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, had a scoreless inning. Uh, so actually tonight, I should say Wednesday night. Um, so I think he's certainly in the mix for the back end or something of that nature. Then you also have Woodford, Palente, as I mentioned before, Stratton uh, to build around. And uh, what you can put around them, you've got Wayno, you've got Matt, you've got J.J. Romero, Zach Thompson, Jack Flaherty. Um, I, I would think Flaherty is, is a definite uh, uh, possibility for the bullpen. I think Wayno is a possibility for the bullpen. Uh, Matt's, I think, would be a good one. Uh, and Stratton. So I, think, I don't know how many bullpen arms are going to carry. Um, Three-game series, they might carry more than you think. Uh, but I just don't know. Uh, then you also have guys like Cabrera, Packy Naughton, and Matt Libertor. Uh, although I don't think you'll see Libertor in the wild card series considering he pitched the last game of the season. Um, and I really might, I'm not sure you would see Hudson uh, either because uh, he pitched the day before uh, Tuesday. Um, I think he went six innings. So, um, 
you may not see him there. Um, but I, 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 I'm not worried about the pitching, really. I really am not because I really like the way uh, Marmol has uh, managed the staff. And the combo of Yachty and, and Kisner seems to have been, uh, they seem to be on the same page all the way around with all the pitchers. So I, I, the pitching I'm not that concerned with. I mean, I've got concerns because, you know, um, the other day Gallegos gave up a few walks. uh and um, uh, Romero's had his issues from time to time. So, you know, there there is reason to be somewhat concerned, but I'm not quite as concerned with the pitching as I am, say, the offense. Uh, because, uh, you know, one-time triple can candidate Paul Goldschmidt uh, fell off, almost looked like he fell off a cliff, really, uh, cooled off down big ways in 30, in 30 days, he dropped his average 14 points. His on-base percentage 13 points. His slugging percentage was down 39 points. You know, his last home run was September 7th versus Washington. Uh, Paul DeYoung in his last 30 games, he's won, uh, 125, 210, 143 with 24 strikeouts and 56 at bats. Now, an interesting note here: Philly has already named their first two starters uh, for. Um, uh, the wild card series and be Wheeler and uh, Nola and Paul DeYoung is the only player that has a home run off both of those guys. So take that one for what it's worth. Uh, I don't know if he's, if it's worth starting him or if it's worth carrying him on the bench. Uh, he's not going to be a really fearsome bench bat um, to most pitchers. Um, and you know, the only issue is going to be that you, if you don't carry him in the playoffs, you are pretty much stuck with Tommy Edmund at short. Now, Donovan can play short, but I don't think you want him playing there on any kind of a, you know, thing. I, I, I think it should be Tommy Edmund all three games, um, and Donovan should be playing at second unless Gorman's there, and then have Gorman play second. Um, but... I don't know that ben, that 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 DeYoung is a bench bat. I don't. I can't see him as the guy you're going to live and die on the mound or on the on the hill with, so to speak, uh, as a, as a, the starting shortstop. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, now on some offensive bright spots, though, you, you're looking at Brendan Donovan. Now he's not hitting numbers wise what people would want to see. I mean, two thirty three, three eighty five, three ninety seven. During, uh, but in the month of September, he was a catalyst uh, of sorts in many games. You know, getting on with walks, uh, uh, having a timely hit here and there, and uh, uh, I think uh, that's going to be key in the playoffs to have a table setter like him, uh, like Edmund against left-handers. Um, now, one area of concern that I that I thought we wouldn't have, which I I don't know why I thought that. But I did uh, was the outfield, uh, and up until the trade deadline, I was, and even after the trade deadline when they traded Bader, I was still pretty confident that we had a a solid outfield going out there. But now you've got O'Neill with the seems to be this lingering hamstring issue he can't get rid of. Uh, Dylan Carlson has been very inconsistent, uh, uh, you know and trending down actually in the last uh, couple three weeks uh but now hitting wise Corey dickerson has been rock steady since coming back from injury now, prior to the all-star break 
He was hitting at 202, 256, 319 with five doubles, three home runs, 15 RBIs. Now, after the All-Star break, he's hitting 315, 333, 457, 12 doubles, three home runs, 21 RBIs. Uh, you know, not a big, big slugger, although I'll tell you what, that home run he hit uh, October 1st, that grand slam, uh, he hit that just below and to the to the left of where uh, I was sitting. And, I mean, it was, when he hit it, you, you knew it was gone. That just That was it. Um, but, uh, you know, they've got Alec Burleson, Ben Deluzio, but neither of those two have set the world on fire. Now, to be fair, uh, between the two of them, they've only got, uh, 58, 68 at-bats, I think it's 68 at-bats, uh, Deluzio's hitting 150, 292, 200, and Burleson is 188, 264, 271, um, Burleson does have a home run and three RBIs, and Deluzo has no homers and no RBIs. Um, I don't know if you're not going to put, I don't think you're going to put those guys in the outfield. I think it's, um, you've got to look at who your other options are, and I think Lars Newtbar definitely is going to be a starting outfielder for the Wild Guard series. Um, now he had a little bit of a slow when he first came, when he, in the beginning of the season, uh, got sent down, he came back, um, and he's going well, uh, but uh, he did cool off in the month of September, uh, but going into the playoffs, he's only hitting 228, 344, 48, with 14 round trippers and 40 RBIs, but he's still playing very good defense, I see he made a couple throws this, this last week that were just awesome, uh, he's got good speed, I, I, I think he's going to have to be in the outfield, either in uh, uh, center field or right field. Uh, I think Carlson, he and Carlson may flip back and forth. Uh, Dickerson will be your left fielder. You might see Dickerson go to right and um, uh, uh, Newt Barr in left. Um, you could even see, it, and again, this is all going to depend on what they do with Paul DeYoung and Tommy Edmond. But you could even, I could even envision seeing uh, Brendan Donovan, who has played the outfield. Uh, I could see Donovan say in right field, uh, Newt Barr in left, Carlson in center, uh, or uh, Newt Barr center, Carlson right, and Donovan in left. Um, but, you know, after that, like I said, you just don't, I mean, you, what the other person you've got really is uh, Juan Yepes or Tommy Edmond if you want to take Edmond off a of second base or take Edmond off a of shortstop. So I'm just, uh, you know, uh, the outfield is, is the one place where I've got a concern. Uh, outfield and shortstop as far as how we're going to be able to, to, to navigate that. Um, now, uh, uh Let's see here. Uh, Gorman, yeah. I was going to say, but I was going to talk about Gorman. Uh, you know, he's down in the minor. They sent him down because he was struggling. I don't know if they bring him back. Uh, but like I said, again, it's all going to depend on what they decide with, with, with the Paul DeYoung. Uh, I, I, I can't, like I said, I, for the life of me, can't really find a solid reason to bring him on the roster. But then again, I can't find a really 100 percent ironclad reason to keep him off of it either uh with the issues that we've got in the outfield you might need Edmund for the outfield 
Uh, now, you know, Donovan can play short, but he's not as accomplished as uh, DeYoung or uh, Edmund. So, uh, you know, I, I, it just kind of makes me glad I'm not the manager right now. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, the playoffs, like I said, they start Friday in St. Louis and Redbirds hosting the Phillies. Uh, now, during their regular season, the Phillies did win four out of the seven meetings between the two teams, and Schwarber can be a load. Uh, but in a three-game series at Bush, even with the issues I've already talked about, I do kind of like our chances. I even like our chances in the in the National League playoff as a whole. Uh, now, I'm not saying we're going to be in the Fall Classic or even the NLCS, uh, but on the other hand, it would not surprise me at all if uh, if if we did if we if we made it to the uh, NLCS or the the World Series. Uh, um, so, you know, that's, we're going to have to find out what's going on. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, all right. Um, you know, I think I've talked long enough for y'all. Uh, next week, I'm going to try and have Russ Robinson, uh, AKA uncle Frank. And, uh, we're going to talk a little NCAA football, kind of a mid season report card, if you will, on Illinois, the big 10, Missouri, and the SEC. And of course we'll probably do some talking about the cards in the playoffs. Uh, if you like the show, you can find us, uh, tell your friends, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, you can check out the show's website, talkingsports-otb-gcs.onpodium.com. Uh, you can check the uh, show out on Twitter, T-S-O-T-B-G-C-S, and... Let us know what. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, kind of changed my opening today. Did a little a newer opening thing. Uh, hopefully you like that. Um, and I may still be playing with that a little bit now that I've got John Rooney's call. I may throw that one in there as well at some point. Uh, so anyway, until next time, I want you all to stay safe, have fun, and we will talk to you next time when we talk sports. On the bleachers.